0: Hey guys, it's Mr. Keevan, and today I want to fly through as quickly as I can a quick summary summary of the epistemology section of your Unit 2 class notes. Um, Some of the things that, and some of this is on there and some of this isn't, uh, but between your Day 7 outline and your Unit 2 class notes you should be able to keep up. Epistemology is the study of knowledge. How do we know what we know, and or more accurately, how do we know that the things we think we know are objectively true? Is really the uh, challenge here, because when it all comes down to it, everything that we think we know, we're we're limited by our experience. We're limited by our resources. Uh, you know, we can only just do our best, and so what. Is our best and the first way that we know things is through experience and I know you guys uh, watched that little video on selective consciousness um, hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, how many passes that did the team in white make I believe it was 13 but hopefully you picked up on the fact that there it, that was not the point of the video the point of the video is that there was a dancing bear in the video that you probably did not see the first time through and uh, it was right in front of you the entire time and yet still uh if you're not looking for it if you're not focused on it then you want to see it now maybe you knew what that was and at which point i would just ask you okay how many passes did the team in black make were you able to count those two because that was right in front of you at the same time so selective consciousness is a bit, not a bad thing it's just a recognition that there are limits uh empirical data is something to uh, just kind of be aware of when when we say things are empirical we mean that they can be measured any sort of measurement whether it's weight or height or distance or speed or anything if you can put numbers to it you can measure it okay and if it's measurable it's empirical data okay or uh, empirical knowledge most of what we know we know via our senses and that is the first level of experience whether it's perception or just uh, as the lonergan outline had on the page coming to knowledge there's that chart with the arrow uh, driving upwards and drive to know. Level one is presentation perception. And this is just our sense input and all that. Uh, level two is understanding. How do we, uh, do we, you know, just take it all in and process it? Or, uh, or does, does it just kind of echo and bounce off of us? So are we able to take in everything that we are uh, seeing? I know for myself, Sometimes I'll find myself focused on something either on my phone or on the television, and my wife will be talking to me. Well, obviously I can hear, and the sound is coming at me, but if I'm not focused on it, I do not understand the word she's saying. And so if she asks me, what did I you know, just say, and I, I have no idea. Okay, so level two is understanding. Number three is reflection. Again, this is a better version of experience. Because just like understanding is better than just uh, having sensory input, uh, reflection is taking that understanding and kind of sitting with it a little bit. It's one of the reasons why in uh, service projects and in retreats, we actually have you sit with something and write your thoughts down. Because it's one thing to do something. it's another thing to ask yourself why you did it and ask yourself if, if it was worthy doing. And if we don't reflect on some of the things that we do, then we will lose that experience. I believe one of the reasons why uh, direction days are so meaningful is because we build reflection time into it, Um, just as an example. So reflection is another level, another depth of understanding for experience. And then finally, to make a value judgment, to actually go through the process of reflecting and then just come out of it saying, okay, was this worth my while? Or what did I learn from this? Okay, Uh, Those are the four levels of experience. Again, as a realist, I believe that this is a good approach. Um, everything that we know is things that we experience or things that we've had told to us through authority. And in the Knowledge via Authority, I had an uh, article that mapped it out as CARS. Credibility, Accuracy, Reasonableness, and Support, C-A-R-S. Credibility and, and Reasonableness both we'll speak to the, the virtue of the source. Is this source somebody who's been right in the past? In other words, if I'm going to check the Cardinals score, uh, is ESPN a reliable source for that? Well, yeah, it kind of is. What about sportsillustrated.com Yeah, it kind of is. What about uh, my buddy who uh, is a huge Cardinals fan? Well, he's probably pretty reliable too. He doesn't seem to be wrong. What about uh, some guy who uh, I just met? Well, maybe he knows. Maybe he doesn't. But as far as you know, I don't. You don't know how reliable he is. As far as reasonableness, this is just usually in uh, debates. Is this somebody who can consider both sides, or are they somebody like your? Uh, if you have a crazy uncle at Thanksgiving who's always spouting off about uh, politics or something he doesn't know, or maybe uh, you're like me and you have a cousin on Facebook who's constantly uh, spouting political points but doesn't ever want to hear the other side and everything that she's saying is talking points Uh, oddly specific I know yet accurate okay Um, when you get to accuracy and support on the a and the s in cars uh, these both speak to the quality of information is your information accurate is it uh, you know consistent with the other facts and and that goes to the support is can you let's say it is the Cardinals game if you see The Cardinals score posted on ESPN and you go to the Sports Illustrated site and they show the same score. Well, that tends to be pretty reliable that two good sources are saying the same score. Maybe you should believe that the Cardinals had that result for that game. Okay, Um, And the same way in our own lives, when we have uh, people in our lives who we find to be credible we find to be reasonableness or at least reasonable or at least have our best interests at heart, that we find them to be trustworthy, reliable sources. Generally we give them, attribute to them authority. When we're talking about authority, the most basic definition of authority, and this is very simple, but it'll be in your tests, is an authority is somebody who claims to have knowledge that I do not. Maybe that authority comes from their position, like being a teacher or being a parent. Maybe that authority comes from a degree. Maybe that authority just comes from being the person who was at the Cardinals game, who said, I was there. I saw it happen. That's a claim to knowledge. Okay. Uh, Fear of the cost was also under the title of authority. This is not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing, which is that... uh, every piece of knowledge has a price and maybe learning the Cardinal score doesn't really affect you at all. But what if you learn something that might challenge you? Like what if you heard that CBC, uh, won every state title one year in in all the sports would, and they started saying that they were a better school than SLU because of it. I know personally, my reaction would be, uh, the hell you are. Uh, because we're smarter than you and we're better in other ways. And I find some other reason like that is information that I would not be happy to accept. And if I wouldn't be happy to accept it, I'd find some other way of, of arguing against that. Okay. Now I'm going to run into problems because if it's true, facts are stubborn things, but fear of the cost is, is really that inclination. I I see it a lot in uh, political issues. Uh, Right now you see uh, Republicans are talking about how Donald Trump's gaining in the polls on Joe Biden. Democrats are saying that Joe Biden's up in the polls. And back and forth we go, and both sides are trying to tell a story about what's going on politically and taking the other side's version of events and casting aside because they don't want to, not only do they uh, not like it, but because they don't like it, they don't want to hear it, okay? And fear of the cost is just what would it, what would accepting the other side winning be like what would uh even what if accepting new information means just admitting that i'm wrong maybe that's too much to bear and so fear of the cost can be a bad thing it can be a good thing sometimes fear of the cost is a healthy you know maybe i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't do bungee jumping maybe i shouldn't try it Um, maybe i don't need to and because you know if i'm wrong and this guy's not trustworthy then i could be seriously hurt or dead so uh, fear of the cost is kind of a preventative measure. And along the same lines, there's a, uh, there's a tendency called productive disinterest, which is if somebody's got news that you don't want to hear, uh, then maybe you don't uh, listen to the news or listen to what they have to say because you're scared you might get information you don't want. Okay. I know I did this in the Blues uh, final series when uh, they were down. Um, In the I think early on in the first quarter in game five or game six and I just turned on no turned off Notifications on my phone because I didn't want to know the information Because I knew what kind of information was coming in that's protective disinterest, and that's not a good thing either The last way we know things is through our use of reason and you guys should have watched the crash course on reason by now in that there were two main kinds of arguments, deductive arguments, which are all or nothing arguments, where the conclusion is contained in the premises. If you have a valid argument, that's fine, but you need valid arguments to, or a valid argument is about the argument structure being one that works along with true premises. And then if you get a sound argument, that is a successful deductive argument. If you only have validity or you only have a true conclusion, you don't have a successful argument with out both validity and truth, which equals soundness. Uh, there are two kinds of deductive arguments. In the videos, you saw a lot of categorical arguments. Uh, categorical argument would be there is a squirrel in the shoebox, the shoebox is in the closet, therefore the squirrel is in the closet. Uh, because A is in B and B is in C, therefore A is in C. There's another kind of deductive argument and that's called a hypothetical argument. I will cover this uh, live with you guys after we finish with this uh, podcast. The other kind of argument is an inductive argument. And these are the sources of most of our information that we use reason for. The analogy gas cap was quite helpful for this. Uh, the G is generalizations. A is analogies. Uh, S is signs. For the cap, it's C is cause causation, uh, the principle of causation. Causation is important. Uh, a is arguments from authority. We just talked about authority, and P is predictions. Um, if you find yourself doing any of these six activities, which are all logical activities, chances are that you are building toward an inductive argument. The key to remember is that an inductive argument is never a hundred percent. If you had a hundred percent, it would be deductive. A successful inductive argument is just likely or probable which means 50.1%, 51% if you want to just not do decimals, okay? An inductive argument is just based off the strength of the argument and the premises. Uh, If you get to 51%, you have what's called a cogent argument, okay? Again, strong premises, uh, strong correlation uh, established and true premises. And um, the important thing to remember about inductive arguments is the principle of total evidence. If you... Ever f- are making an argument, you find yourself leaving out inconvenient facts. You are violating the principle of total evidence because you're automatically, when you're leaving out inconvenient facts, that means that you know your argument's weak, and you're trying to strengthen it by hiding some of the truth. Uh, you should always, if you're trying to make your strongest argument, put all the cards on the table, lay all the facts out, and let the other, let your audience decide what is the correct conclusion. Ah, uh, so the principle of total evidence always applies. We, new evidence will always help an inductive argument. If it's a deductive argument, new evidence really doesn't add or take away it or anything because once again, it's all or nothing. Either it's going to a deductive argument is going to sound redundant, or it's an inductive argument at which point new evidence is always taken. And you'll notice when we go through apologetics and I'm doing my arguments for God, the deductive arguments are short and sweet, and the inductive arguments are pages long because there's so much extra stuff to add. All right, gentlemen, that is it for now. Um, We're going to now do a classroom thing where uh, I break down hypothetical uh, deductive arguments because the videos didn't cover that, and we need to cover that because most of the deductive God arguments that we talk about, uh, need to deal with the hypothetical. And that is basically if A is true, then B is true. If uh, so, A is true, therefore B is true kind of stuff. So, uh, see you guys in class.